feeling of learning to master these techniques and learning to accept her own personal strengths as well. She does take time to have a look at the basic definitions of extroversion and introversion, but also reminds us that there is no set definition in place and that it is not as simple as classifying people as extrovert or introvert. She does stress that the context is just as important as the behavior in determining a person's basic leanings one way or another. She offers a quick quiz to allow you to see where you might be on the spectrum. The overall aim of the book is not to classify, however, but rather to aid introverts and the people closest to them. Part 1. The Extrovert Idea Chapter 1. How the Extrovert Ideal Came into Being The first chapter looks at how society first started to develop the bias toward extroversion, beginning in the earlier parts of the 20th century. According to Warren Sussman, an historian, the so-called character culture emphasized the importance of being introspective, moral, serious, and self-disciplined. The alternative personality, on the other hand, culture, which was swiftly adopted with increased urbanization, emphasized the importance of the perception of others and emphasized charisma as the driving force behind success. Kane theorizes that it was the increase in urbanization and the subsequent necessity to deal with strangers on a more regular basis that facilitated this shift. Kane examines the shift from several different angles. She starts with the movement toward self-help, a longtime favorite among American readers. If you look at publications before the early part of the 20th century, you will see that reflection, high morals, and modesty are praised. Take a look at books from the 1920s onward, and you will notice a determined shift in the way the books are marketed. Prior to this, it was the information contained in the book that was the main selling point. After this, the emphasis shifted towards success through altering the perception of others. Advertising moved more toward the books providing a cure for a reader's social defect. The field of psychology also started to reflect these changing attitudes. Gordon Alport devised a test to determine where people fell when it came to social dominance. Young's effort made a significant contribution to the new ideal as well. It may, however, be that Alfred Adler had the most influence when it came to the adoption of this new ideal with his theory of the inferiority complex. This idea was readily adopted by the press and several warnings about this complex and ways to get over it were published. The experts at the time started to look out for shy children and began issuing dire warnings of what would happen if this issue is not addressed. As a result, the idea of introversion was a problem that needed to be corrected became embedded at an institutional level. Parents quickly fell in line with this idea thinking they were doing what was best for the child, and fitting in became the new ideal. Children began to attend school at younger ages to encourage extra socialization. 
This system was more entrenched as the children moved up the ladder at school. Being socially adept became a criterion for access to higher education with the justification that well-rounded students would fit in better in the workplace later in life. This carried forward into the business world as well, with better opportunities being afforded to those with better social skills. More and more, those who were seen as introverts began to be regarded as broken. Kane does point out that this is not the first instance of such social biases. The difference this time is that there is such an emphasis at this stage that it is invaded every aspect of life. If you were to take a quick look at teenagers today, you would see that a lot of emphasis is placed on their status and how they are viewed by their peers and how this shapes the adolescent experience.